episode 334 of This Is Whole Life, and today I feel like there should be some Michael Jackson playing in the background, a little dangerous. <laughs> um, dangerous worship was our topic for this week, and I don't know about anybody else. Jeff, real quick, um, did, did you know ahead of time where Ken was going with the message by chance? I I did a little bit a little because bit. I I'm married to Tammy, so you kind of you, you kind of almost <laughs> he gets have a to preview. Know. <laughs> we let Jeff veto any bad theology. <laughs> well, this was week one of our dangerous worship, and it was dangerous desire. And when you think about worship, and I I always feel like you're just like on the precipice, like when you open the can of soda in a quiet room <laughs> or you rattle your bag of candy when you're not supposed to be eating, everyone looks at you and looks at what you're doing that's inappropriate, much like worship and like, why would you worship that way? Why would you think that that's okay? Because we all have such a different idea about what worship is. Now, I was expecting Isn't maybe- it amazing how God likes what you like? <laughs> all the time. All the time. Yeah. I'd, he never ceases to amaze me in that. Uh, thank you for reminding me, Ken. That, that's awesome. The one thing I was like, okay, so dangerous worship. Is this a dangerous worship? Like we're all going to have to start showing up in riot gear to protect ourselves? Are, are we, you know, are we going underground? What are we doing because it's dangerous? And what I found out was something completely different than what I was picturing in my head, which usually <laughs> is the case. I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll cop to that right away. And early on, Ken used a, some really cool picture. Now, if you're into Major League Soccer, you may want to make sure you check out the message, and you might want to do that online, wholelife.church, and click the Watch Live button on the homepage because Ken has some really cool pictures. Now he's a, a big MLS fan, and and now he's kind of adopted I've become one. I like like in like literally in the last month. Well, so I don't know if I, that qualifies me as a big MLS fan. Well, but you, were, but in the, like the last month, I've yeah, you, you were convincing. Now I I would have thought just like yeah, I, I know you said Tennessee was just getting into their yeah. uh, their team, which uh, whatever Nashville, te- Nashville, yeah. Nashville. And I was like, wow, Ken, I didn't really know Ken was into soccer. I know his commanders beat my Packers last week. And, <laughs> hey, you know, yeah, oh, see? don't go there. I know, I wasn't yes. going So, But I really was like, wow. Hey. Who saw that coming? <laughs> Me, because I'm not. You, oh, really? You thought you thought the commanders oh, were going to win that game? Absolutely. As soon as I knew it was a backup quarterback, it was over. I, I predicted it. I Yeah, no problem. Okay. So, yeah. I'm sorry. I, Better I'm a, man than I. I'm a Washington commanders fan for life, and I... Have your expectations? I, I like, yeah, are, I was like, yeah, we're not, we're not going to win. It doesn't yeah, matter. No, it's, no, I, I was totally expected. So, okay. So I was just like, Ken's a Ken's a big MLS fan, which I didn't know. And I, I think if you get your picture taken, you get out on the field, that helps you become a Bear fan for sure. Oh, yeah. So definitely check out the pictures. There were some really cool shots of Ken, and he is clearly excited to be standing with this ginormous trophy. Trophy, yeah. That they that they have that the Orlando. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Soccer, that was, City, that Orlando pretty City cool. Soccer Club. Easy for me to say. Yeah. Football is yeah. Ken said. I'll just give you the little extra bit on that was oh, that I'm um, doing this really really amazing. Um, I don't know what the right word for it is educational opportunity. Um, okay. It's called Leadership Orlando, and uh, basically it's put on by um, the Orlando Economic Development Group or something like that. <laughs> That's bad, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe let's we, change. We can we can always give that information. <laughs> yeah, later. we can give that later. We can give. But anyway, they're they're a fantastic group, and basically, what they do is they they promote Orlando in the region. And so one of the things they do is they invite local business owners and nonprofit leaders to um, 
be a part of what they call Leadership Orlando, and it's it's basically teaching us about all that Orlando has to offer and what's going on in it. And um, so I was wow. at one of those meetings, and it happened to be at Exploria Stadium. And so the the amazing people at Exploria Stadium let us uh, take pictures with that trophy and go down onto the field. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. That is yeah. cool. Well, let's yeah. not forget at the end of the show, we're going to plug Connected just because... Uh, which is also happening which there, is, and right. which is kind of fun because I ran into one of their VPs at the stadium and... I was like, hey, my name's Ken. I'm the senior pastor at Whole Life, and I just wanted to say thank you for letting us. Oh, I know who you are, and I'm glad you guys are going to be here. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that's wow. cool. Oh, okay. All right. That's cool. So, connect, so yeah, we'll get to connected. connected. And right after that, you asked, what's the most dangerous thing you've done? Yeah. So, because so what's the most dangerous thing you've done, Randy? Again, now, if we were talking riot gear, things that were done during stupid times of your life, I'm not going to go there, but probably the, <laughs> the, the, the most dangerous thing that I've done was, and Ken has a story that he brought up later in the message. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of flipped, but mine was, and even though it seemed dangerous at the time, I didn't know how dangerous it was until I actually got to the end of it. <laughs> and that's the really, the that's the scary part where yeah. I think God works when we don't expect it. So Heather and I got married January 28th, 2000 and 2000, uh, early in 2001, right, right. We're whereas we're thinking about you know our you know newlyweds and life and the company that Heather worked for she was an interior design firm they were, it was a Herman Miller dealership and she loved her job and but you could just tell the company wasn't being run appropriately uh, they go out of business she loses her job I was working for Affleck at the time and that was when the duck first came and everyone they were hiring but then there was no support so they had no training and we're both kind of sitting here like well here we are newly married we have no job I was working for Roland Brunt's um, back at the strawberry farm my first job when I was 12 and here I am nearly 30 years old back at the same job and thinking God I have no idea what's happening here so we get an invitation from my aunt and uncle who are church members here they're like, hey, we're we're going to Europe. If you guys want to house sit our cats, we'll pay you because you know, like to, to board these cats is ridiculous for like I think they were gone almost three weeks. So we used like the last of our credit card balance to buy tickets to come and we're like, whatever, throw your hands in the air. We're gonna go have some fun in Florida. And I did have a job opportunity here that she had set up for me. So I was like, well, bring the suit and do your interview. So I went to this interview. The lady told me. Secretary told me, like, oh, where, where do you live? And I gave her my address. Oh, you'll be here in 20 to 30 minutes. They lived on Markham Woods Road, and the office was by over, um, way over by the USF, or not UCF. Everyone knows that's not a 30-minute drive. I don't care how you do it. It's not a 30-minute drive. So I get there late. I sit down, and the guy's like, yeah, I guess I can still see him. Okay. So I interviewed <laughs> with my manager, and he's like, so uh, what do you do? And I told him for about five minutes what my skill set was. And he's like, so I uh, I heard you like motorcycles. And and I was like, wait, what? And it was some something, uh, they had this pre-questionnaire. So the next 45 minutes, we talked about motorcycles. And he's like, well, I got another appointment. So uh, let me know when you're moving. And uh, yeah, come on down. We got it. We'll have a place for you. So this is the end of the interview. And uh, we had talked about Florida Hospital. It was now Advent Health. And maybe they could use someone since I was an Adventist and might help them. But there was nothing. It was very just like, man, smiles and a good time. And so we literally went back home after the vacation was over. We talked to our pastor. We prayed about it. We talked to family who wasn't crazy about it. 
and we moved. And then later when I got here and I started working, my coworkers are like, wait a minute, you moved from Wisconsin to Florida because Vince told you that he had a job for you. And then you realize how just like a space cadet sometimes he was, and there was nothing guaranteed. And we just picked up and packed up our stuff and we drove what would fit in the car. And then we went back later and got the rest. And when I look back on it now, it's, it's set in place a trajectory for my family that I would have never, ever, ever, ever guessed in my life. And then really how dangerous it was. Like we could have been here. Heather didn't have a job. And this job was like, well, yeah, yeah. You, as soon as you get into town, let me know. So I did that, and he said, oh, yeah, all your licenses, everything from Wisconsin will transfer. Of course, they did not. <laughs> so uh, we, we got here August 16th, and I didn't start my first day of work till February. Oh, wow. <laughs> so God provided us a place to, to live, a place to that with 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 family and and temporary jobs to pay to keep paying at least your bills that you still had. You know, to, everything was a mess, and yet it was perfect. And during that time, I never once we prayed about it, decided we were moving. There was no question about it. But that is that's almost insane to think about now when you look back at it and go how 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 dangerous it was. And then, well, it is usually a a very very blurry line between dangerous and insane, right? <laughs> but, but, but tell us about that, counselor. <laughs> but but isn't that what we're supposed to? not have like if you know you're following God and you're you're doing everything like you're you feel good about your growth and you feel good about where you're at and you you take the advice of your pastor and you feel good about it and and yet the line can be so different and so many people have like that one worked out really well I mean I'm still here now I'm here but for a lot of people it doesn't work out and and then the question becomes well did God fail me or did I misunderstand what I thought the the signs were? <laughs> and it brought me back to a couple of weeks ago when Ken said, you know, sometimes I don't feel like I get a straight answer. <laughs> but I, I go with, well, this is what I feel like. And and so I guess if I don't get anything clearer than this, but that's no way to that's no way to plan <laughs> how you do things or how you worship God. And then this week's message. Ken is talking about something completely more radical than just, you know, and just coming to church for a church service. <laughs> yeah, than just than just being a worship service, and yet for a lot of us, that's how kind of we were raised, right? I mean, yeah. you you go to church on on Saturday, or for your friends, it might have been Sunday. What's the motivation, though? Because I've been that person and been in that place where, what's the motivation for me to be here? Even just for church, and or to then go once I've got that, I, I think I should do more. I think I should be in more. I should be more engaged. Where does that part come from? If really your whole church experience is kind of a couple hours on one day a week, because okay. I think that's a hard jump to make. Yeah, if you remember one of the things I said that about defining the word worship is it's it's the word adoration goes along with that too, mm. and um, and if you think about the things that you adore the things that you are passionate about. We aren't afraid to take risks for those things. Mm. Um, if you think about it, like if there's a person that you adore that you're, when you're, you know, you're in a place in life where you're looking for a spouse or something like that, 
Think back. You it's think, been a while. Well, think about it. Like, <laughs> what do they say about what fifty about fifty percent of marriages fail? Right. Yeah. So you find somebody that you adore. Statistically speaking, you've got a fifty percent chance of failure. But you don't think about that because you adore that person, and you're you. Or if you do think about it, you take some steps to to mitigate it. But I love you know I I liked playing rugby when I lived on Guam. It's one of my I love one of my still one of my favorite things, hmm. and you know not exactly the safest of sports, but I love playing it, and it was totally worth it to go out and play. It was just I I enjoyed the company. It was one of the the people that were there were were just awesome, and there's just nothing like just wrapping your around your arms around someone just. Putting Put them down on the, the ground. ground. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's pretty pretty fun. Anyway, and uh, even when you get tackled, it's not the worst thing on earth usually until you break something. But um, <laughs> but my point is when you when you adore something, when you are you are willing to take risks and to do things. And when we love God, what's the motivation for taking doing dangerous things? Well, because you love Him, and because you're like, well, that's where you're calling me, and that's what you're asking. Yeah, I'll do it. And um, you know that key verse that I that I use as my main verse that talks about being a living sacrifice. Yeah, and that this is your true act of worship. That's a tough one. How do you explain that to someone? I'm not sure. I remember. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I've read. I mean, I've read through the entire Bible before, so I'm sure I've read that before. But I'm not sure I've I've thought of it in the same context <laughs> as what you're talking about, because then it really becomes a living and holy sacrifice, and I'm not sure if I know what that means for me. What does it mean? What does it mean? Like when you read that, and this was obviously part of your message. So when you thought about that and you were preparing the message, what did that mean for Ken? That you're going to let yourself be a living and holy sacrifice to God. For Ken, um, and, and I think that's really important for Ken, and just the place that I'm at in my life, it means that everything's on the table, that mm. whatever God asks for is something that I want to trust in him enough to give. And I'm not always good at that, so I fail at times. But basically, it's that there's nothing in my life that isn't on the table if God wants it. Um, And you think about, that's really what Abraham got commended for when he finally figured out things. And and what a weird story that one is, right? Yeah. But, But he was willing to put what was arguably one of his most precious desires literally onto an altar. And when Paul wrote that, the passage that I'm quoting, I'm pretty sure that's one of the things that went through Paul's mind as he was thinking about being a living sacrifice on an altar. Um, there is, I think that was one of the things that went through his mind. And I think that is, think about the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is God's will done in heaven? It's done perfectly. And there's nothing that's not up for grabs. And so if we really want to worship God, the greatest act of worship that we can do is a turning over to him. And I, I want to share something I, I didn't share in the sermon that I would have liked to, and I, uh, Tammy gently scolded me for going to, way too long <laughs> after second on second service, and it was fair. I, I needed to—it was a little longer than we had agreed upon. But out in 
in Washington State when I was the pastor of the Upper Columbia Academy Church. The chaplain at that time at Upper Columbia Academy, his name was Fred, and every year Fred would take the students at Upper Columbia Academy, the seniors out, on on something called senior survival, and this is where they take the seniors out into the middle of the woods, and it's a class bonding experience. They take them, I think there, they take them out for four or five days. Wow, nice. And they, they give them like a 10 by 10 piece of plastic, um, and then they give them some string, and then you have to make your own shelter, and they give them a box with food items that they have to use for meals, and then they do a whole bunch of team building exercises. And one of the one of the most memorable team building exercises they have a six foot platform that's built out there in the woods that they do trust falls off of. Six feet doesn't sound that high until you're standing on it, because <laughs> then you're about. For me, I'm about twelve feet <laughs> in the air, and you're looking down. And you're like, wow, that's um. That you know, and there, there's there's a bunch of teenagers <laughs> that you're like, I, 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 and so, and then you, and if you've ever seen a trust fall, basically you you stand on this platform, you move till your heels are off the edge, and then you, um, if you're doing it right, you fall backwards, and if the people doing it right are doing it right, they catch you. Um, their arms are interlinked; they're standing across from each other. All these team building exercises that Fred did, always he brought a spiritual aspect into them. And probably one of the most moving things was watching him do this particular exercise because you think of it, it's just a trust fall. And, you know, some people are going to get scared by the by doing a trust fall. But Fred would always talk about how this was a – he said, I want to encourage you to do what I do. He said, when I'm standing up here, I'm not just imagining that I'm falling into your arms for me. He said, I always imagine that I that I have something up here on the platform that I'm holding on to in my life that I don't want to trust God with. And I imagine myself putting it on the platform and falling and letting God catch me. <laughs> and he says, so you <laughs> wow. better catch me because it's going to really mess with my mind if you don't. <laughs> um, but this was really real for Fred because I asked Fred what, you know, and he would... He, um, some years he would tell the students, I think, I'll, but he had a, a teenage son that was losing his vision. And Fred had prayed over that that son, anointed, had that son anointed, just prayed that God, and, the, and his vision just continued to deteriorate. And so every year, Fred would put that on that platform and leave it for God to take care of and trust God with that. And for those of us, who have kids, we know that it's easier for me to leave my own personal stuff on the platform than my than leave my child on God's platform and let God be in charge of that. And I think what always moved me about this was that that Fred wasn't one of these ones who went easy. He didn't just stand up there and then fall straight backwards. He would he would start and stop and he would he would, there there was he would make almost groaning noises because he hated he hated the trust fall. He was scared of heights in the first place, and then on top of it, it was this <laughs> metaphor that he's... And, and so this it was one of the more moving moments because I'd see Fred struggling with going backwards, and he was always the first one to go because he was like, I'm teaching you, so I, if anybody gets the rough landing, it'll be me. And, and just watching him start and stop and start and stop, and eventually he would go... 
really hit me in a powerful way about how I will start and stop with the stuff that I want to put on the altar for God, my acts of worship that I really, dangerous acts of worship that I want to put on there. And and the fear that I have that God isn't, you know, he's caught me before, but I don't know. Every year, you know, I don't know. I don't know. And so that's what, for me, was when I, when I started really thinking about that verse, that's one of those stories that, for me, just has always touched me and reminded me of what it means to live a, a life of dangerous worship. There's, there's not a lot to living for God if you if you're really living only for you and you're just taking the safe safe choices. But when you feel God, and I'm not talking about taking needless risks. I'm not saying that you you do risk that that. But when you feel God telling you to do something, and you feel it in your core. The question is, are you going to trust God or aren't you? And it's and over and over again in my life, God has presented me with with those kind of moments, and I've in my heart known what God wanted me to do. Sometimes I've done them. Other times I haven't. Other times I've been like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. That's uh, I don't I don't trust you enough to do this. And every time I feel like God is kind enough to go ahead and say, okay, let's try again. Let's try again. Let's do that again. So it's okay if you're not ready. It's okay. It's, I mean, that's what it is. It's it's okay. To me, it's a little bit. You know, I've used this metaphor. I'll use it again. It's that. It's that GPS. When God asks you to do it and you don't do it, you just make your trip a little bit longer. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. you go through some areas that you didn't have to go through. Mm. And so for me, it is okay in the sense that God will reroute you. A hundred percent, He'll reroute you. But sometimes you make the trip a little bit longer, a little bit harder. And sometimes a little bit harder on the people that are, are in the car with you. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's a good analogy because I think that's the part where it's easy to give up because I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do this. But maybe if it's, well, I still have another chance, but man, I really don't want to go. <laughs> I don't really want to go. It's kind of the Jonah, right? He still ended up in the same place, but he did definitely take a longer trip and one that he probably could have done without in the end at uh, – to make that. That's a good analogy. The other verse that you had, 2 Corinthians 4, 11 and 12, when you're you know, talking about that we live under the constant danger of death mm-hmm. because we serve Jesus and yeah. kind of that all-in mentality that, like you said, there's nothing off the table that you yeah. want to take. And I'm thinking to myself, that doesn't sound particularly inviting. <laughs> You know, um, you know, it, it just you know, would... kind of like when Jesus said, "Take up your cross Us. and follow me." I mean, we <laughs> we've sure sanitized that picture a lot, but I mean, for Jesus, you had to understand that people had probably seen in the last six months somebody crucified, and for mm. for Jesus to say, "Take up your cross and po- follow me," that wasn't you know, I mean. That makes what Paul writes seem pretty vanilla. Yeah. I mean, it seems pretty pretty easy compared to Jesus saying, anybody who wants to follow me needs to take up their cross and follow after me. And I'm sure it must have been even more challenging after Jesus was literally crucified. And they're like, oh, so you weren't, you weren't like, that wasn't a metaphor. That that was like for real. This one was real, yeah. And 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 I think I think we do ourselves a disservice when we make Christianity safe. And when we, I think we take, uh, you know, what, think about like, 
what are the things that you really remember in your life, the things that like stand out to you, the things that like they're vivid memories? For me, they're the times that life was dangerous, where things were like Sure. Yeah. Really, you know, like those, on the good and the bad side. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. The times. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that I, I think that's the piece that when you think about it, there is there is danger. Not not the kind of danger that that extreme sports bring, uh, not the kind of danger that comes with stupidity at times. <laughs> um, but there's a danger in I love the statement, take up your cross, because that is what Jesus is saying. It's gonna be dangerous following me because you're not gonna get to be self-protective all the time. You're not gonna be able to be defensive about your own ego or your own reputation mm. and some of those things that come. And a lot of times working with people, there is there's always a danger when you're working mm. with people. And because you kind of go, well, man, if I put that person in front of me, this is what's going to happen. And I know that this is not going to be good. Mm, yeah. And so, uh, you know, putting yourself in a position where you put yourself second or last mm. uh, to, uh, you, you know, a number of people or whatever and say, okay, I'm going to take up my cross, meaning I'm not going to be as self protective as I mm. probably normally would. That's a hard, and you know, when you, sometimes when you preach sermons, you preach them more for yourself than the people that you, <laughs> yeah. that are listening. And this one's a hard one for me. And I'll tell you why, because safety is one of probably my core values. Mm -hmm. um, I am, you know, I, I had a colleague a while ago that really opened my eyes to that. We were all talking about what our co core values were. And we were, we were saying what we thought each other's core values and this this colleague said your one of your core values is safety and i was like i don't know i do lots of dangerous yeah. things in my life and and then he so i'm not saying that in a negative way he said you just care that people are safe you like want to create a safe environment you want you know when i ran a summer camp i would start having nightmares on a regular basis about four months before camp began about all the horrible things that could happen. And, and so I just, you know, anybody who ever worked for me will tell you that I'm, I'm like ridiculously safety conscious to the point that, uh, you know, it was infuriating for some of them, the, the things that, and I care about that stuff. I care about people being physically safe. I care about them being emotionally safe and I'm, I'm willing to take risks on myself, but I'm really not happy seeing people take risks on other people. And one of the things that has been really tough for me is is allowing God to do unsafe things with my kids. Oof. That's been really hard on me, allowing not getting in the way of God doing things with my kids that aren't safe, that put my kids in danger. One of my children went through a point where they're being really severely bullied. I don't, I don't know that that was God's will for him, but I do know he he grew. He is a he is a. I guess I gave it away. I was just this is my say, son since I'm saying he. Would you like to um, go back and? Yeah, no. Um, and and all I'm trying to say here is that my instinct was to protect him, and I needed to do that, but there are also some things that have come out of that. And again, if I had it to do over, I'd do things a little bit differently for me. 
but yet there are some things that have come out of that dangerous situation that I know that my son will stand up for kids today. When he sees somebody being picked on, it doesn't matter whether they're his friend or his enemy, he will come to their yeah. rescue. And I love that about him. And I don't know that that would have been as strong a feeling in him had he not gone through what he went through. Now, and I think sometimes as parents, we try to take the danger out of our kids' lives. And I think there's a time and a place for that. And I think there's also a time and a place to, to let our kids take some risks. You know, Kyla right now is thinking about um, next year or the year after going as a student missionary to someplace. And, you know, there's the part of you as a dad that thinks, okay, this is my 19-year-old daughter going to a foreign country where I can't run quickly to... <laughs> body slam, you know, whatever bozo could be there, you know, if I need to. And yet I'm really proud that my daughter is willing to do that. I think it's going to be good for her and I hope she does it and I want to be very supportive of it. But going back to it, I remember for me being a student missionary in New Zealand, there was danger involved in it. Um, Believe it or not, I went to a church that did not want me or 51% 51% wanted me and 49 didn't. <laughs> 51% of the church hated the pastor, so they oh, voted wow. to bring in a student missionary to take his place. What? Oh, yeah. That's a thing for a student missionary? Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> it should be, I can but... assure you it's a terrible idea, but it was what they kind of thought because wow. this guy had two churches, and they were just like, well, you'll just take over this church. And I was like, I'm a freshman just getting out of my freshman year of college. I don't think this is. And so now I had, you know, 49% of the church that was suspicious of me because they thought I was there to take over and 51% that was upset because I wasn't. So you understand politics really well. Yeah, something like that. So, (laughs) you know, so anyway, all I'm trying to say is, but man, I have some memories from that time. I saw God do some incredible things during that time there. And so worship for me always will be a risk-taking adventure where I adore God by putting everything on the line for him. Well, it does change our terminology, too. You walk out of a worship service where you literally said, okay, I'm putting myself on the line. And then all of a sudden, you don't come away with saying, well, that sermon, that wasn't very great sermon. That wasn't for me, so to speak, Mm. or... Um, I came expecting this, and I didn't get that. And, you know, if it's all about you, then it's probably not going to be dangerous. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Well, what does that mean then for what one of the uh, Bible texts that you had uh, was Isaiah 58, 1 through 8, and talking about the piousness. Of, oh, I love that and verse. And it just, it's, it's <laughs> so good, and I read it in multiple uh, different translations. versions and translations just because— the flavor, it's nice to see the flavor change a little bit, but it's still that it's still <laughs> oh. the point gets home. And you see people so detached from danger that we we're stuck on tradition. It's all about us, even though there seems to be because there's a group, right? And we all think we're doing the right thing. And we're we we know these things and we're we're fasting, just like you said, and we're doing all these things. And then you 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 get the response, and you're like, "Wow!" As equal to one sided of of me 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 the other, this is just a scathing answer to say, "No no no no, this isn't this isn't what I want at yeah. all." What it, Ken? What do you think when you look at Whole Life Church and you you think I want my I want 
my family and my, you know, in the congregation and the people that visit and our members and anyone that we come in contact with, with our worship, how does it help us if we can share this as like saying, yeah, I'm at the point where it's dangerous and it's, it feels a little crazy, but I'm just going to say, yeah. What, I mean, what happens if we all do this or we don't do this? Did you, uh, Randy, did you play like organized sports ever? I just uh, intramurals at the okay. at the academy and a little bit but, of baseball. But you're after you're a big oh yeah you're a big yeah. fan of football obviously. football yeah, absolutely yeah. yeah. you like you I like, like to play it volleyball baseball. So, what's the purpose of a um, what's the purpose of a pep rally? Get everybody ready to go. Get them juiced up and excited and yeah. camaraderie. Yeah, play as a team. I would, and then. So you've got the pep rally that gets everybody ready for the game. And then after the game, if you especially if you win, <laughs> there's usually uh, you know, some sort of party afterwards, celebration, something like that, you know, particularly yeah. after huge games. And that's I'll, I'll be honest with you that when you you ask what I want people to when people come to whole life, I don't want them to view the church service as the game. I want them to view it as the pep rally or the celebration afterwards. Mm. That's the way I want them to view it. I, because the game is what you're doing the other six days of the week. That's that's where you're feeding the hungry, taking care of the oppressed. That's where you're putting into action everything that God wants. And then we get together and, and pep rally for the future, like, Hey, this is this is this is the game plan. It's what we're going to do. Let's do this, and then we celebrate. Oh yeah, you know, in this last week, this is how I saw God working in my life, and this is how I saw God working in the lives around me, and and we celebrate that. And isn't God good? Isn't God incredible in what God is able to do? And so we take church. You know, I've heard that I've heard some craziness that that whole life occasionally gets accused of being an entertainment. Uh, you know, church service that that we're entertaining and that we're there to, you know, put on some sort of entertaining show or something that that's what we're doing. And for me, nothing could be further than truth uh, for what Whole Life does. Now, I have attended a lot of churches over the years that use an organ and piano only that were entertainment-based, because entertainment-based isn't about the music you're playing, it isn't about the way that you do your your format. It's about where the focus is is at in your mm. service. And when you start playing the music that you like to hear for you, and when you start hearing sermons that have no application other than trivia in your life, and it has and it's not changing you into a person that loves God more and loves your neighbor more, then you're that's the entertainment and it doesn't matter whether it's an organ and a piano or a cappella or no music that's just entertainment but when that music or whatever you're doing in your church service is focused on encouraging you to celebrate who God is and his goodness and point your heart towards him and moving towards making your life more and more and more a living sacrifice then it's not about the the music you're playing. It's not about that. Just becomes the packaging that you're that you're delivering the product in, and and that's what it's really about. And so, 
at Whole Life, we put together a very thoughtful church service every week with those two goals in mind, that we're going to celebrate who God is and what He's done in our lives, and we're going to go ahead and also, um, as a community, come together and encourage each other to live more fully in God's will with every week that goes by, and not judging anybody for where they're at, but simply saying, what is God telling you this week that He wants you to grow a little bit in as you go in this week, as you get into this life, uh, this uh, acts of dangerous worship, as we talked about in the church service. And so for me, it's just a big deal that our church members, when they come to church, they recognize that's the purpose of the church. It isn't, um, I'm glad if you like the music, and it doesn't hurt my feelings if you didn't like it. There's a an, another big purpose in our church services is that we want to be relevant to somebody who just walks off the street and doesn't have a relationship with God. And they need to feel like they can understand the language that's being used. They need to feel like the music is something that's understandable and that that gives them a reason to be in that church. And, yeah. and so for me, when you look at all those things combined, it becomes very important the way that we go about doing our church services. But the main thing is what's happening when people walk out of them. It isn't about whether the sermon was amazing. It isn't about whether the music was amazing. We do those things because we give our best to God, and so we're going to do the best music that we possibly can here, and I'm going to do my best to preach the best I can, not for my sake, but because I think God matters and because I want to give him the best that I have. And so what I want our church members and the people that attend our church to remember is, as you come to church here, come here and celebrate what God's been doing, and then leave here, taking with you the inspiration to go out there and do do some dangerous acts of worship during the week. Do some things that push you a little bit outside your comfort zone. Do some things that 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 you know God's asking you to do that that feel a little bit uncomfortable. And and when when that happens, you know, just God does amazing things when when a community of people come together in that way. Yeah, you you asked, what does that look like to not have dangerous worship? I think it it's very uh, like we talked about it before, but it's very much like the older brother in the story mm-hmm. yeah. of yeah. you know who who <laughs> didn't run after you know his the father is the one that didn't care whether he looked like yeah. a fool after he ran after his son. It was yeah. the father who lavishly gave him everything, gave mm. away the farm, so to speak. So to speak, yeah. And the father was the dangerous liver of that. And then here's the brother who didn't, didn't take that up, and he missed who he was actually with the whole time. Stark contrast. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like the I like that because I think when, you know, we come with an expectation of something to be entertaining or something to be and not that, you know, and again, I, I there's a there's a you go down the list of enter, of the definitions of entertainment, and there's some really good ones there that I think uh, also are good to have in your worship, but I like what where we're landing here is that we're here to be together every yeah. week and to celebrate wins and losses and someone to hug if maybe it's a loss yeah. week or it's, hey, great, pat on the back or, man, that was wonderful. And, you know, to get someone else's affirmation that's on this, you know, we're all on the same journey, whether we're in different spots or not. But I think that the dangerous worship, while sounding scary, the more we do it, the better we get. And 
I think you feel that when you come to church here. I think people are prepared I, for it. Every time I went to play rugby, I felt scared and I couldn't wait to do it. But you can't wait. To, <laughs> there you go. So this week, let Whole Life Church be your rugby and come on down. All right. <laughs> or well, soccer, whichever one you prefer. Whichever one. We didn't have any questions this week. We answered them also. It was, uh, we don't have anything to go over there. And one of this week's Whole Life Reflections I thought was really good. What is God like about how you are worshiping? And I thought that was one that, you know, Sometimes, yeah, the, the, this week it might not be the music that you particularly care for, or maybe it's a subject matter that you're really confident in. You're like, yeah, I kind of know some of this stuff. But you can't underestimate with what we just talked about how you can be a piece of that puzzle that somebody else probably really needs. And every once in a while, God will surprise you with someone who needed something you said, and it's the most, it could be the most inane thing you could ever think of. And they're like, wow, that was, wait, what What did I say? Oh, you said this. Really? So never underestimate that part. And as always, let us know if there's something you want to add to the conversation, 407-965-1607 or podcast at wholelife.church. And I just want to hit on a, just one thing that Ken said towards the end of his message. He said, true worship is not safe. It isn't comfortable. It's dangerous. It's a complete giving over of your life to the one who gave you life. And each week we gather here to celebrate a God who is as faithful as we have worshiped him through the previous week. And I, this is my favorite part. We gather to recommit or to commit for the first time to following God's will moving ahead, no matter how imperfectly we may have done it in the previous week. So don't let that, uh, don't let your week stop you from coming to church. And if anything, if it's been a bad week, uh, come and say hello. I'm here, I swear, every week. I'm, I might be on second floor, might be third. I kind of move around a lot these days. But uh, send me a message or text me or hit that 407-965 number. That rings right to my phone and uh, would love to talk to you about your week. Upcoming this week, I am pretty excited. Jeff, are you excited? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've actually been... <laughs> I've Everything's actually a little been stressful in the Sinkamani house. I've been on this for about a month and a half now. Dangerous Worship is yeah. upcoming this week, and it's with Tammy Sinkamani. Yep. Yeah. Is going to be bringing the message, and that means she'll be here for podcast, right? That yep. uh, yeah, she'll be here for yeah. the podcast. So uh, the the sermon outline is: Who should be allowed into the community of worship? What do we risk by holding a large, inclusive picture of God? So all that and more this Saturday. Then, of course, next Wednesday, we'll be back with another episode with Tammy, who's a podcast veteran. She's been on multiple times over the years. And so it'll be good to have her back another time. So, uh, again, any questions, let us know. But until then, have a great week.